Good evening, everybody. You know, I love it when God orchestrates a service because I did not communicate with anybody about my message tonight, and yet that last song was my message tonight. You moved in power then, you move in power now. You were the healer then, you were the healer now, and I just, I just love it. I just love it when God puts it all together. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Several years ago, I preached a message here, and they, my text was, <clears throat> excuse me, Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, which says, and his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised saying, yet once more, and I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yes, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. And the other text that I used that evening was Isaiah 40, uh, Isaiah 43, rather, which says, Behold, I do a, a new thing. Everybody say new thing. I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Say now. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. These people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. They shall declare my praise. That's, that spoke, that church, that, that message at the time spoke of changes that I sensed were coming to the church. And those changes did come. And, and they continue to come. I look around and I, uh, on a Sunday morning, it's a different church than it was five or six years ago. It's a different church than it was two or three years ago. And that's a good thing. Because if we're not willing to change, then we become stagnant. And when things become stagnant, they become stinky. Yeah. And we're certainly not a stinky, certainly not a stinky church. Amen. Amen. We're we're. You know, I watched as my pastor preached Sunday morning in blue jeans. If you'd have told me ten years ago that Bill Rogers would preach a message in blue jeans, I'd have said, "Yeah." And what are you smoking? Because. There are changes that are continuing to take place in the church. God has given me another message about shaking that I want to share with you this evening. This one is from Haggai, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And it says, once more and a little while, once more and a little while. You get that? That's like, again, once more and a little while. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations and get this. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I will fill this house, this house. Amen. Say, this house. Yeah. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. God is speaking to us, 
that a shaking is going to take place once again. But it's not about change. It's about a demonstration of His power that is going to take place in this church. He says, I'm going to shake things up a bit. And for those of you who are around my age, you'll appreciate this when I say, come on over, baby, a whole lot of shaking's going on. Now, when my generation started coming to Jesus and the the Jesus movement, they didn't have praise songs and worship songs like we do. So they would take their old songs and they just changed the lyrics. Because nobody was, I mean, most most of them were tokers and and anyway... uh, you know, and they were doing good to remember those lyrics. So they just changed those lyrics. And so I would sing, come on over Jesus, a whole lot of shaking going on. Because I believe that that's what's going to happen. It's a good shake. It's a good shake. Sunday at the leadership meeting, I shared from Amos chapter 3 verse 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. God always speaks to us if we'll listen so that we can prepare for change. And the prophetic word that's come over northwest Arkansas in the 25 years that I've been here, and and I, I, I told somebody, it's hard for me to remember that I'm not the new kid on the block anymore. We've been here over 25 years. But in the 25 years that we've been here, we've heard a lot of prophetic words over northwest Arkansas. Some of you have probably heard the one where they said that Carrie, uh, uh, Corey Tenboom was flying over northwest Arkansas and asked, where are we? And they said, well, you're over northwest Arkansas. And she said, well, God showed me that there's going to be a mighty move of God over this area. Now, I don't know if she really said that or not, because in Springfield, they claim she said it over Springfield. And I suppose if you're going fast enough, you could catch them both. But I was there when Tommy Tenney was here, and he declared a prophetic word that there was going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit here. Pastor, you remember that that message? I mean, it was a powerful service and a powerful word, and God was speaking that there's going to be something powerful happening in northwest Arkansas. And then there have been prophetic words over this church. The first one that I can recall is not a trickle, not a stream, not a river, but a flood. And we are expecting a flood of outpouring of the Holy Spirit to take place in this church. Pastor James Longmate has seen a vision, or I guess seen a vision, about cars being lined up to come into our parking lot and people being lined up at the door waiting to get in because they want to experience what God is doing at Word of Life. A great outpouring has been prophesied over this church. In fact, Pastor Jeff, just a a couple of three weeks ago, said prophetically, that God is saying that the time of preparation is over and it's time for us to move on what God has said. How many of you remember him saying that? Two of us. Okay. Well, he said it. Amen. And then there were pastor, uh, there were prophetic words at the conference last month 
over Pastor Bill and this church, and I want to share a segment of that uh, that I shared with the leadership on Sunday morning. It says, God says, I will remove the wall, the barrier that has been before you. For you come to a point, and then you go back a little, and then you come back up to that point, and you go back again. Now is the time to break the barrier. And the Lord says, I put favor upon you. I have placed you in this city. God said, and you told me last night how long you've been here, but the Lord says to you, I am going to take this thing further than it has ever gone before. That's a good place to say glory. 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 I'll take this further than it's ever gone before. This is not the hour for you to think about stepping aside. But this is the hour for you to think about going higher, for God says, I have much need of you, for I am going to use you, says the Lord, to break through the barrier that has been, so that the harvest that has been promised, the prophets have spoken throughout the years that God would do, even in this place. God says to you, this is the season now. Now. This is the season now for those things to come to pass. This is the hour for those promises and prophecies to be fulfilled. And I shared Sunday morning, I've known Pastor for over 25 years now. We've been friends for a long, long time. And I know exactly what the prophet is saying here because even though he had no idea, you know, the, when the prophets move, they're moving under the unction, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if they're moving under their own knowledge, they're not prophetic. And this man is prophetic because he had no idea the history of Bill Rogers in this church. But over 25 years, I've seen the church up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. It, it gets so far and then it gets stymied. Well, this prophet is saying, but more importantly, the Lord is saying, that's come to an end. Pastor, that has come to an end. We're going to explode in this place. The prophecy that I shared on Sunday was God is preparing us to receive fulfillment of the prophecies. We are not waiting on him to move. He's waiting on us to believe and act in faith in preparation for what is to come. Being ready does not only mean physical preparation, programs in place to receive, or people in position. Being ready is a spiritual preparation for the Lord is calling this church to have the faith to believe that these prophecies will come to pass. I want to stop right here and say, here's the key to seeing prophecies come to pass. You got to faith, have the faith to believe that they will. If you don't believe that the prophecy is going to come, I'm spitting all over myself. If you don't believe that the prophecy is going to come to pass, you're right. It may come to pass for somebody else, but you'll be sitting on the sidelines. The prophecy comes to pass when we have the faith to receive that prophetic word and have the faith to act on it. And I, I continued to say, now is the time to act in faith. I said that, didn't I? No. Being ready is a spiritual preparation. The Lord says, I have been speaking to your pastor, my servant, who has in turn been teaching and preaching on faith. Now is the time to act in faith and expect the prophecies to be fulfilled. Now is the time 
to act in faith and expect to see those prophecies fulfilled. I shared a story Sunday about when Marcia was a teenager, she babysat for a, for a couple of, well, three kids across the street, uh, one of whom planted a watermelon garden. And he planted that garden. Every morning he would go out and look to see if there were any watermelons. Well, everybody knows that it takes time for watermelons to develop, right? Yeah, everybody knows that they expect to, to, okay, good. It's this means yes, this means no, okay. And he'd go out there and he'd come back so disappointed because there was no watermelon in his watermelon patch. Well, Marcia and this kid's mom went to the store and bought a big old watermelon and put it in the garden. So this garden went from zero watermelons to a great big watermelon all in one night. You know, this kid's name was Ricky. You know, Ricky wasn't at all surprised by what happened because he was expecting a watermelon. Church, I want to tell you, we've got to expect God to move and have the faith to do our part if we're going to see God move. Amen? Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to the prophets and you're speaking through me tonight to bring a word for this church in preparation for what is to come to pass. Not that the preparation's uh, still underway, God, but because having given us the time of preparation, the season of preparation, Lord, we're praying that now would be the time that we would see it happen. Would you stretch your hand toward me and pray for me? Just, just, just pray that God will speak through me to you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And thank you. Our text this evening is actually Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 31. And I'm not going to read the entire text to you. We'll, we'll take spots of it. But I want to share the backstory to this passage, okay? It starts actually in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. When Peter and John are going to the temple on the uh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon to pray, and there's a lame beggar there. And the, and the beggar looked at Peter and John, and the Bible says he was expecting to receive something from them. Peter looked at him and said, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And though he was not expecting a healing, what did he get? He got a healing. Now, the result of this is the the church leaders, the the synagogue leaders, the, the Pharisees were indignant because they had spoken the name of Jesus to bring healing to this guy. And they were trying to quench this whole Jesus thing, even though they could not deny the miracle that had taken place, they wanted to quench this whole Jesus thing because it was a threat to their position and power in the community. They were more concerned about what people thought of them than they were about what God was doing in their midst. And so they summoned Peter and John 
threw him in jail overnight, came back with him the next day and said, you, got, you guys just got to stop this, you know? You don't need to be doing this. And Peter said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. But we cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. Now this, this just made them all more angry. So he said, okay, here's the deal. You quit talking about Jesus or we're going to take you behind the barn and beat the snot out of you. You get that? No, that's not exactly the... That's a very loose translation, I realize. But that was... But, but, and then it says, because there were 5,000 people who had gotten saved, they were afraid of any kind of reaction if, if they actually followed through with any uh, punishment or, or in anything that they might do to, to inflict damage or harm or pain upon Peter and John. So, <clears throat> that's the story that leads up to where we are now. So, Peter and John went back and joined their companions. And they told them what happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. And here's the response, and it just blows my mind. They praised. They praised God because they'd been threatened. They quoted from Psalm 2. In Acts chapter 4, verse 25 and 26, they quoted Psalm 2 when they said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord his Christ. And then in Psalm 4, to follow through with where they were, it says, He who sits in the heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his glory, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. He's speaking prophetically about the coming of the Messiah, installing his king on the holy mountain. Now, understand this. There's no timeline in heaven. As far as God the Father was concerned, it was already done. It had already happened. We had not seen a manifestation of it for some time later. But we know that the time is coming when Jesus is coming back. Amen? And when he comes back, he's going to be installed in his rightful position as King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So the first thing they did was they praised. I had a whined. They praised and then they prayed. And here's the prayer that they prayed. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'd have probably crawled in a hole. But not these guys. They just, they said, Lord, give us the boldness to go do the ministry that you've called us to do and bring healing and signs and wonders to your people. They prayed for boldness. 
They prayed for healings. Now, we have seen healings in this church. Marcia and I have both experienced miraculous healings. Uh, Marcia had terminal cancer in 1995. No, in 1978. 1978. They told us she had six weeks to live to go home and get her affairs in order. But people prayed for her, and she was miraculously healed. Sometime before we moved here, I had a serious kidney stone. I mean, I was one hurting puppy. And I can remember lying in the bed in the bed one afternoon and saying, Satan, you're attacking a dead body. And dead bodies cannot be attacked. And I'm already dead because I'm dead to you and alive to Christ. Just like that, the pain went away. The doctor could not explain why my kidney stone will. Well, he could because he was a spirit-filled Christian. But just like that, it was gone. We have seen wonderful works of, and miracles of healing take place in this church over the years as we've seen people come forward and be prayed for. They prayed for signs. Signs to take place. What is a sign? Sign is a supernatural power breaking into the natural world of man and doing what is impossible by natural physical laws. Here are some examples of signs. Prophecy fulfilled. That's a sign. You know how you can tell a prophecy is true or not? The ultimate test of the prophetic word is time. If it doesn't come true, it wasn't a prophecy. It was pizza. Words of knowledge confirmed. That's a, that's a sign. We've seen that happen in this place. Deliverance is a sign. Demonic powers broken off of somebody is a sign. The dead raised to life is a sign. Now you might believe that that can't happen, but several years ago it happened right here in this church when Beverly Rogers died sitting right there. Some of you may, may remember that. She died. I remember her saying, don't ask me what heaven was like because I wasn't there long enough to look around and tell you. Did I get that right, Beverly? But she was dead. And through the prayers of this church, she was brought back to life. Don't tell me God can't do that. I've seen it happen. Don't tell me God can't do miracles. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen the blind see. I've seen people set free. I've seen miracles happen. God still wants to do miracles today. I don't care what some people say. God is still in the miracle working business. Unexplained provision. That's a sign. All of a sudden, my needs were met from the most weird place. But my favorite sign of all is the sign of the new believer. Salvation. The transformation that takes place in someone's life when he or she surrenders his or her life to Jesus Christ. To me, that's the ultimate sign because that's going from death to life. Mark 
16 gives us some examples of signs. It says, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we've got some friends that went to a church in Tennessee. They were on vacation. They said, oh, well, we'll check out this church. And they said it was great until they, they broke out the snakes and started handling them. That's not what this scripture is is saying, okay? It's not, it's not about being snake handlers. It's, it's being in God's will, and if a snake should attack you, he that is in me is greater than he is in the world, and we overcome, right? Amen. And the same is true with drinking poison. You know, if I'm doing ministry in Peru, I'm very cautious about what I eat or drink, but I'm not that concerned about it because, because I'm doing God's work. If I'm doing God's work, I, I, I trust God that I'm not going to be hurt. Doesn't mean I'm going to drink it to test God. You don't test God. And it says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These signs will follow those who believe. Let me give you a personal example about a sign. Oh, golly, probably 30 plus years ago, I was on a business trip there was a late night meeting that I attended in Mays, Kansas, which is north of Wichita, Kansas, okay? At 12.30 at night, I stopped at a rest area, truck stop rest area type thing, and I was, I was absolutely exhausted. I'd done, a, I'd done some ministry at the meeting, and I was just absolutely worn out. And I went in, <laughs> splashed water on my face, and said, God, you're going to have to get me home because I just, I can't do this. I don't, I don't know what to do. That was at 12.30 at night. At 10 minutes till 1, we had traveled 40 miles and I was getting off the exit a mile from my home. That's a sign. And that really did happen. Wonders. What is a wonder? A wonder is something very remarkable. Something that is so impressive that people are filled with awe. You ever been awestruck? You ever watch a five-year-old watch a butterfly? They're awestruck. God wants us to be awestruck by the wonders of his creation. Why does God do miracles, signs, healings? The purpose of these miraculous signs, these miraculous works, it's the supernatural physical expression of goodness and unfailing love to unbelievers. I'm going to say that again. It is the supernatural physical expression of goodness and unfailing love to unbelievers. In fact, in John chapter 20, it says this, Jesus did signs so that they may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, they may have life in his name. See, we often want to see miracles take place for the blessing that we get. I'm sick. I want to be healed. Why do I want to be healed? Because I don't like the symptoms that come with being sick. But the reality is, the reason that God wants to heal me is not so I'll feel better, it's so that I'll be a witness to somebody else and 
and they, through witnessing what God has done for me, become believers themselves. That's why God does signs and wonders. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for us to be willing to take these signs and wonders and take them to the community. So they praised, they prayed, and the result was they were empowered. Say empowered. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Come on over, Jesus. A whole lot of shaking going on. The place was shaken, and they were all filled with or empowered by, one translation says, the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. It was after they praised and they prayed that the shaking took place. That's the shaking that God showed me in Haggai. It's what he wants to happen in this church. He wants us to praise and pray so he can empower us in a way that we've not as a church experienced before. That's what God showed me. And if we want to see God shake things, we've got to start with praise and prayer. It was when they prayed that a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit took place. And it was with that fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit taking place that they were able to speak the Word of God with boldness. God responded to their prayer with a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit which gave them the boldness they sought. This was not another Pentecost. These people were already filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This was a fresh filling. The Bible tells us we are to be being filled. It's present progressive. It's an ongoing thing. We're, it, listen, if we, if we don't be being filled, we're going to pour out. We've got to be being filled if we want to see God move in a way that He wants to move in this place. God wants to shake things up in this house because He wants to fill this house with His glory. I absolutely believe that. He wants us to pray bold prayers. He wants us to pray bold prayers. He wants to pour out His Spirit and give us the boldness that we're praying for. See, we can pray bold prayers, but if we don't have the boldness to to act on what God is speaking to us as we pray, it's not going to happen. He wants to use us to minister healings, signs, and wonders. Why? So we can feel good? So we can brag about what God's doing in our own lives? No. What God wants to do is use signs and wonders and miracles in this place so that the community will know that God's moving at Word of Life Bentonville and they're going to be drawn here because they know that this is a place where if you're sick, you can get healed. This is better than any hospital when God is at work. Better than any hospital when God is at work. But we must pray with the right motive. 
And that comes down again to why are we praying? Are we praying so we can be blessed? No. We're praying so other people can see what God is doing. And out of what he sees, God is doing. What other people see, God is doing. They want to become a part of it. They want to become a part of it. You know, I, I started an article. I didn't finish it. Pastor, you may have seen Carrie Newoff's article today on why charismatic churches are growing and other churches are not. Because the power of God's at work there. The power of God is at work in growing churches. And the, and, the, and the charismatic church understands how they can embrace the Holy Spirit and, and allow God to use them to do what God's wanting to do. What he wanted to do in the Methodist church when John Wesley founded the church. I mean, it was a powerful. They, they used to call them shouting Methodists. Jesus wants to use us. How? How is he going to draw people to us if he's doing miracles? It's simple. When we tell people, you know, we go back to what, what Peter and John said. When they said, you shut up about Jesus. They said, well, you, you decide whether it's right for us to do what you say or what God says. But we cannot help but proclaim that which we have heard. Once more, in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come to the, with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Are we ready to see God shake things up a bit? How many of you are ready to see God move in this place? Why don't you stand with me? Are we ready to see prophecies fulfilled in this church? You know, there's a call to prayer for this coming Tuesday. That's a good place to, to be. Because it starts with praise and it starts with prayer. It starts with praise and it starts with prayer. Say that with me. It starts with praise and it starts with prayer. And if we're willing to praise and we're willing to pray and we're willing to take what God gives us in holy boldness by an infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's going to happen. It's going to, there's no doubt in my mind, but what we're going to see an explosion of church, an explosion of numerical growth in this church, not for numerical growth, but because we want to see people saved. We want to see people saved.